0: Welcome everyone to our BJJ podcast, I'm Andrew Duckworth and a warm welcome back to you all from your team here at the Bone and Joint Journal. We hope you're all having some well earned t- time off with family and friends during the summer period. As always, we'd like to start by thanking all of you for your continued comments and support, as well as our big thanks to our many authors, authors and colleagues who have taken part in our series. Our podcasts continue to focus on papers published here, each month here at the BJJ, as well as our accompanying special edition podcasts throughout the year. So today I have the pleasure of firstly welcoming Catherine Morgan, who is an orthopaedic registrar from Imperial, to discuss their paper entitled Pregnancy, Parenthood and Fertility in the Orthopaedic Surgeon, a Systematic Review, which has been published in this month's edition of the BJ. Welcome, Catherine. It's great to have you joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Joining Catherine is her colleague and senior co-author Lily Lee, who is a consultant orthopaedic surgeon also at Imperial. Lily, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's great to have you with us.
1: Thank
2: you so much for inviting me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Great. So uh, I'll, I think we should get right onto the paper, both because I think it's it's such a, an important topic and there's lots that, to, to to discuss, both in the findings and the implications of it as well. And your study highlights such an important area in our specialty, particularly given the very positive trends we're seeing and in an increasing number of female surgeons choosing a career in orthopaedics. And given this, as you highlight, it is therefore really important to recognize and understand the common themes and data surrounding pregnancy, parenthood and fertility within our specialty. So, Catherine, if I can maybe start with yourself as a background to study for our listeners, can you give us a brief overview of the state of the current literature on this topic and what caused you to look at it at this particular question?
1: So, as you mentioned, where whilst considered a traditionally a male specialty, TNO is definitely becoming increasingly diverse, with 15 to 26% of doctors in the UK, USA and Canadian orthopaedic training schemes being women. In 2020, Todd et al. published a systematic review looking at surgical residents across all surgical specialties, and this review included 27 studies and found that female surgeons experienced high rates of infertility, obstetric complications, and they also contend with negative attitudes and stigma during their pregnancies, and um, alongside with voluntarily delaying childbearing. And since the publication of this review, there's been a few additional papers published specifically in the field of orthopaedics related to this topic. In terms of why we chose the topic. So as a female orthopaedic trainee myself, I've often been given advice on when the correct time to have children would be for my career. And often that advice is varied. And most people do say delay until after your exam, for example. Mm. I think there is never going to be a perfect time to have a child and everyone's circumstances are different. However, I think it is really important before making a decision to delay childbearing to look at what the literature shows and to learn from other female orthopaedic surgeons who have gone through pregnancy and parenthood.
0: Yeah, I think that's very well put, Catherine. Like you say, it's. I think that's why it really it jumped out to me Did your paper that I think that the information it provides and the data it provides is is really interesting. And I think, like you say, to help you make a, a more informed decision, I suppose, like you say. So and with this in, this in mind, Lily, if I maybe come to you next, what were the key areas you wanted to look at as part of the of the systematic review? What were the sort of aims of it?
2: Yeah, so the aims of our study were to to firstly look for common themes And data out there surrounding pregnancy, surrounding parenthood and fertility, particularly relevant for orthopedics, not just surgery in general. And we wanted to look at whether female orthopods delay childbearing, either during their training or after, have high rates of obstetric complications and infertility and see if we could find any barriers to getting pregnant and and being a parent we we hope that the the findings of this review helps to inform other orthopedic female orthopedic surgeons who are making these pretty difficult decisions regarding pregnancy and also helping to raise awareness so that we can create a supportive culture for the pregnant orthopedic surgeon
0: absolutely and i think that with the publication of your paper i think that's what it what it does i think it really raises that awareness as you, as you say and and for everybody within our specialty so, so moving on to the methods, which I'm just going to touch on briefly because there's a lot more interesting things to talk about about the paper in terms of the findings and, and and the implications of that. But if we move on to the study design briefly, this was a systematic review conducted in line with PRISMA guidance, as we'd expect, and it aimed to maximise the objectivity of the area while also ensuring sound methods were used throughout throughout the study. So Catherine, very briefly, if you could just give us an overview of the eligibility criteria used for the studies that you included.
1: Yeah, so we required the studies to meet a few different inclusion criteria. So they must examine pregnancy and parenthood and or barriers to it. They must involve surgeons at any stage of their career who had specialised in trauma and orthopaedics. They must be in English and they had to be original research as classified by the Oxford Centre for evidence Based Medicine. Due to the heterogeneity of the studies included in the review, we didn't feel it was appropriate to perform a meta-analysis.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think when you look at the data, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. And in terms of what data was extracted from, from these studies?
1: So we extracted the lead author's name, the year of publication, country mm-hmm. of study participants, the design of the study, the study participants themselves and the sample size. And then we also recorded the key findings and identified the main themes within the studies.
0: Perfect. Yeah, grand. And I think, like I say, I think we'll move on to the results as well, because you, you detail the methods very nicely in the paper. And our readers can obviously go to that if they need to. So because I'm quite keen to move on to the results um, and, and what they mean. And so if you move on to what you found, you had a total of just over 1200 papers identified from your initial search. And after you removed duplicates, you just have had to just over 770 were assessed for eligibility, of which 19 met the criteria and were included in the review. So, Catherine, if I could just ask you, what did you find in terms of just the general makeup of the studies that you included?
1: Yes. So out of the 19 studies, 11 of them were female orthopaedic surgeon respondents only. Four included both male and female orthopaedic surgeons. And this was a total of 4,327 survey responses, of which 3,394 were female and 993 male. And out of the remaining four studies, Two were analyses of training programs and two were responses from training program directors. The common themes we identified were obstetric complications and congenital abnormalities, fertility, occupational hazards, and barriers to pregnancy and parenthood.
0: Yeah, and I think those those four four themes really come out in, in the paper in the in, in the study. And I think it, it they really break it down v- very nicely, I think, in terms of what we're going to discuss now. So if we sort of take the first one, what did you find in terms of the rate of obstetric complications and congenital abnormalities in orthopaedic surgeons?
1: So the rate of obstetric complications was noted to range from 24 to 31%, which was higher in comparison to the general population, which was around 14%. And the rate of congenital abnormalities was reported in three studies. And this is in the orthopaedic surgeon's offspring, and ranged from 6 to 7%, and this call was compared to 1 to 3% in the general population. And a study by Hamilton et al., which was published in the JBJS American, reported preterm labour resulting in either a preterm or term delivery as the most common complication. And they also noted an increased risk of preterm labour in respondents who bought, worked more than 60 hours per week.
0: I yeah, I think that's really interesting. Findings I thought those they were really striking when I read them and you know when you look at those numbers compared to the general population it's it's almost double isn't it really that if you take the the extremes of those those ranges it's it's quite it's quite stark. And and what about in relation to fertility rates?
1: Yes, yeah, so a number of papers reported infertility in the orthopedic surgeon and rates were ranging from 18 to 32%. The women who reported infertility had their first and second child at a later stage in their career compared to those who didn't. And one study reported this rate to be comparable to an age-matched control population, suggesting that the main reason for infertility or the difference is due to older age. The age at birth of the first child in the female orthopaedic surgeon ranged from 33 to 34 years and a study by Ponzio et al reported an average age of 34 years in the female surgeon compared to 31 in the male orthopedic surgeon
0: yeah and i think, again i thought that was really interesting like you say it's it's this the 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 maternal age isn't it which we know is A risk factor anyway but it's actually that's why i think the study the the study on your paper goes on very nicely to sort of explore why why that delay is potentially uh, occurring so lily if i I could maybe come back to you please as part of the study you looked at potential occupational hazards which i thought was really interesting to the to the pregnant or lactating orthopedic surgeon and what did you find with regards this
2: yeah so there are several potential occupational hazards including exposure to pmma which is bone cement Mm. general MSK injury as well as ionizing radiation risk. One of the surveys we found where they surveyed orthopedic surgeons and they reported that 38% scrubbed out during the cementing phase of an arthroplasty operation when they were pregnant Mm -hmm. and 16% scrubbed out whilst they were breastfeeding during the cementing phase. And another study by Linehan looked at the presence of PMMA in either serum or breast milk, which had been collected from two surgeons who were lactating after they'd been exposed to PMMA during eight arthroplasty procedures. And then that was those levels were compared to two healthy breastfeeding women who didn't have any PMMA exposure. But interestingly, they found that PMMA was actually not detectable at the 0.5 part per million, which is a significant level in either serum or breast milk. Another study that we found, which is Zade et al., and they reported a higher rate of congenital abnormalities in both male and female orthopedic surgeons. However, they compared to a group of age matched obstetricians and gynecologists, and they were then further divided into two subgroups based on how much routine x ray exposure those groups had. And again, they didn't actually find any statistical difference in the rate of congenital abnormalities across all these groups. And so the authors suggested that actually the increased rate was likely to be associated with factors other than exposure to ionizing radiation
0: yeah i thought that, that was interesting wasn't it and and yeah. in some ways uh, potentially reassuring but I, I was, it's limited data isn't it but you just yes. it, it was it, it was interesting that i thought because it, it's, it's probably it was maybe a misconception i had because i would have assumed that the opposite of what of what they showed and and so, moving on from that, Leah, and I think this is one of the really interesting. I mean, it's all very interesting, but I think a really interesting bit is when you looked at the what you found in terms of the barriers to identified to pregnancy and childbearing with the North because I think this really highlights some important issues, and and I suppose as well what we can really do something about in many ways.
2: Yeah. So, so we found that between half. And two thirds of of female orthopaedic surgeons reported voluntarily delaying childbearing during their training. And the reasons that they gave for doing so was missing training time or financial constraints, time limitations, and missing out on quality time with with their family. And in one of the studies published by Mukai et al., out of 92 respondents who reported deferring childbearing, 20% reported that actually to, to them, the most important reason was to was to prevent a negative perception by their male colleagues or the faculty members. Three other papers we found explored what training program directors, the so TPDs, perceptions of pregnancy were. And this included several responses from 143 of them from American accredited training programs. And those studies found that pregnancy and parenthood did pose a burden on, on the fellow orthopedic trainee and affected their educational time. And one of the other studies by Nemeth demonstrated that TBDs themselves perceived the effects of pregnancy and child um, and parenthood more negatively for their female trainees to a very statistically significant mm. extent. But however, interestingly, that difference was perceived more by male program directors, whereas female program directors actually felt they had no effect.
0: Mm.
2: And one other barrier that we've, we found for the female orthopaedic surgeon was returning to work and facilities for either breastfeeding or breast pumping whilst yeah. at the workplace. And prior to very recently the introduction of some regulations, there was actually a lack of an, an uncertainty whether any formal breastfeeding policies even existed. Yeah. And surgeons who actually discontinued breastfeeding before six months, so early discontinuing, reported problems with accessibility to breastfeeding and time allocated for breastfeeding after their return to work.
0: Yeah, I think that that's that's really interesting. I think just the way the the list of things there, you know, which have, like you say, it, it all flows on very nicely in terms of in this in the paper. I think in terms of the issues that are there, in terms of the numbers, and then the reasons, potential reasons why that that is, and how those potentially need to be addressed. Or and 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 like like you've already alluded to, have been addressed in some way with with recent regulations. So if you maybe that really nicely moves us on to sort of putting it all into context, I think you know. You know, in terms of the study itself, and the strengths and and the importance of it, are, are you know in my mind are without question. I'm sure many of our readers still feel the same. You know, it's it's a large systematic review that has examined the common themes and data surrounding pregnancy. Parenthood and infertility within orthopedics is such an important topic, and it, and it clearly—I I think it clearly demonstrates that female orthopedic citizens voluntarily delay childbearing and suffer higher reported rates of infertility, obstetric complications, and congenital abnormalities. And also highlights that they bear children at a later age compared to the general population. And it, certainly, from the data, it seems there is a negative stigma and perceptions associated with pregnancy in orthopedics, which can lead to our colleagues voluntarily delaying childbearing, which has those knock-on effects, which we've alluded to. So Lily what you know what do you feel are the, for you what what do you feel are the key findings of the study, and how should and I suppose as well how the data can be interpreted in the context of any limitations that that are there with that data
2: sure, so as you, as you mentioned, Andrew, the key findings are that female orthopods have high reported rates of sexual complications, congenital abnormalities, infertility, we have children at a later age, and we voluntarily delay this. And the negative perception of pregnancy from our fellow trainees and TPDs and colleagues do appear to be contributing in part to this delay. Mm. And there are definitely limitations to our study. And Firstly, all of the studies are cross-sectional studies with retrospective data collection, which obviously can lead to recall bias and reduces the accuracy compared with anything that's prospectively collected. Also, about half of the studies consisted of respondents from American training programs only. And obviously, some aspects of the American system are not necessarily applicable to other healthcare systems, not just mm. the UK system. Mm-hmm. However, we believe that actually important themes are transferable. A further eight of the studies that we included were classified as international because the participants were from orthopedic societies with an international membership. However, they don't actually break down the, the country specification in any of these. Mm. And another limitation is that the controls used in the studies are not the same. They're not constant. And they can be varied from the general population to male orthopedic surgeons to non-orthopedic but female surgeons. And so this made it quite difficult to make any direct comparisons between the studies. And and as Katra mentioned, we weren't then able to carry out any numerical analysis. And it's also, lastly, important to consider that what studies may have deemed to be an advanced maternal age in 2012 is actually different to what is in 2023 considered an advanced maternal age.
0: Absolutely, I thought I, I I think it's brilliantly put in terms of those limitations, and I, I personally I, I think they're there, but I think it doesn't devalue the data in any way. I think the data is very clear and it's consistent as well. When you look across those studies, and you've got really great tables in the paper which which report these things, and you see these consistent themes coming out. But I think that was a really interesting point. The last one is you know you know we move on very quickly now, don't we? And like you say, in twenty twelve, over ten years ago now, things have changed, haven't they? And I think that's really important to take into account. Catherine, if I maybe come back to you briefly, one thing I re- thought about when I read through this, the study was, you know, it just kept coming back to me. How do how do we or our specialty compare to other surgical specialties in terms of, of, of these findings?
1: Yeah, so I think our specialty is, is pretty similar. I do think it has some unique occupational hazards that aren't. Uh, are necessarily present in other specialties but in keeping with the findings of the systematic review that we mentioned earlier by Todd et al looking at all surgical specialties our findings were, were actually pretty similar mm. uh, interestingly there was a meta-analysis of 62 studies which looked at occupational shift work so not necessarily healthcare, but that demonstrated that pregnant women who work rotating shifts fixed night shifts longer hours have an increased risk of adverse pregnancy outcomes which included the premature labour which was in keeping with the findings of our study and also those of Hamilton et al mm. and I think this has also led to the development of guidelines from societies such as the British Orthopaedic Association with guidance on you know when they would recommend a pregnant trainee coming off the on-call or shift night shift rotor, for example.
0: Absolutely. And I think, I think, like you say, that, that guidance is very much, was very much needed when it came in. And I think it's, it's very clear the, the impact that has of, on those shift patterns. And I think having that guidance is so important for our trainees and, and for, and for our our consultants alike, you know, who are in that situation. And I think, Lily, if I could maybe come back to you though, just, you had just mentioned about the occupational how, hazards in our specialty, which you told us about. How do you interpret these and do you think, you know, does the current guidance or does any changes to guidance that we need to maybe implement in relation to that, do you think?
2: Sure. So the thing is we there's little to no evidence to support increased risk to the pregnant surgeon. However, that's probably because research hasn't been carried out in this area because yeah. of the potential or theoretical risk to either the, the pregnant person or to the unborn child. Not that that it's not that there is no evidence for it. Yeah. And PMMA, we know, can be fetotoxic at high levels. However, it has been shown that these levels can be reduced if we use pre-packed vacuum mixing systems. And I think many, many hospitals certainly in the UK do do this. Mm. And you have this increased distance as well. So you stand further away from the vapour source and um, when you're doing a, a arthroplasty. However, data actually sort of demonstrates this lack of consensus amongst female orthopaedic surgeons, whether they should remain in the operating theatre during the cementing part, Or not. And as you said, we we know there's a high risk of congenital abnormalities compared to the general population, sort of 6% versus up to 3%. And a recognized risk factor is exposure to radiation. And the the unborn child is most vulnerable in the first trimester. And the International Commission on Radiological Protection has set this target or limit of one milligray for the duration of pregnancy. And it's important for everyone to know that there's no legal obligation for the orthopedic surgeon to continue to use radiation during pregnancy. And if they choose to do so, their hospitals should consider providing them with a dosimeter so that they mm-hmm. ensure that that maximum exposure of one milligray is not reached. Another study by Cho et al. showing that there's an increased prevalence of breast cancer and all cause cancer in female orthopedic surgeons, and we know that lower parity, nulliparity and greater age at first child are all risk factors associated with cancer. And additionally, the, the pregnant or, or even not pregnant female orthopaedic surgeon may be less likely to fit into the standard issue hospital lead gowns, which you mm-hmm. know, we are often that kind of quite large tabard appearance. And it's been demonstrated that if we add lead sleeves or an auxiliary supplement that, can, that really pr- improves the protection of the breast and the axillary tail, and reduces the radiation exposure to this very sensitive tissue. And in fact, the British Orthopedic Association has actually been working with our industry partners right now to produce a design that covers this lateral chest wall, axillary tail, to be able to protect the upper outer quadrant of the breast to help reduce this risk.
0: Yeah I thought I thought that was really interesting actually and like you said that's I think that's ongoing work isn't it about the developing yeah. this these these different type of lesbian ground. I think obviously it's so important and actually you know out with what we've been talking about here which is obviously pregnancy and 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 fertility the all cause cancer risk itself is 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 and the increased risk of that is also a, such an important issue so both, maybe just to finish up, maybe Cash and I come to you first, you know, and what what are your thoughts on this overall in terms of, and maybe anecdotally as well, about the barriers to pregnancy and specialty and how these and, and the other issues we've discussed here today could, you know, can be, we can sort of move forward with them and, and make things as, as, as uh, optimal as we can.
1: Yeah, so I think the findings of the systematic review that I don't think they're surprising, but I think the results are very important to discuss. And we also really be grateful to be given this platform to discuss them. And I think it's really important we're doing so. I feel we should be able to create a culture within our specialty that allows and supports female orthopedic surgeons to have children when they want to, and they shouldn't feel they have to delay childbearing due to a career in orthopedic they should be able to coexist. Yeah. And there remains an urgent need for more recognition of issues surrounding pregnancy and childbearing to change this perception and to create a more supportive environment for the female Pedic surgeon.
0: I, I totally agree, Catherine, I think that's very well put. And and Lily, sort of to finish off, you know, in terms of maybe you could highlight, you know, what some of the current guidance for, from that there is out there for our trainees and, and, and female orthopedic surgeons alike, you know, f, that we currently have out there and how they maybe compare internationally? Maybe,
2: yeah. So, societies in the UK, so the BOA, and in North America, they have the Ruth Jackson Orthopedic Society, and they're based really leading the way with publishing guide, lots of guidelines on how to support orthopedic surgeons through pregnancy. And as with, with the breast cancer and the, the axillary protection we just talked about, and also the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons is following suit in their up-to-date 2022 to 26 strategic plan. And, I, and also for our local listeners, the BOA does publish guidelines, actually also for educational supervisors and clinical trainers. And it's, it's a really invaluable resource that addresses topics such as we've talked about occupational hazard, breastfeeding, flexi working and returning to work following pregnancy. And um, I think it's worth a listen.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well well both I'm afraid that that's all we have time for today, but a really a sincere congratulations on, on what I think is an outstanding study. And I, I I thank you both so much for not only taking the time to join join me today, but I think for highlighting such an important area for our specialty and, and really highlighting how we can improve the support and the environment for our colleagues moving forward. And I think it's been great to have you both with us today. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, we do hope you've enjoyed joining us and we encourage you to share your thoughts and comments through social media and the like. Feel free to tweet or post about anything we've just here to, discussed here today. And thanks again for joining us. Take care, everyone.